What do you need? What do you need right now? If you were at a reception and you met someone of tremendous wealth and resource at the reception, let me say that you were at a reception, you somehow got into this reception, and you were just there and you met Bill Gates or perhaps Mark Zuckerberg. You say, who's Mark Zuckerberg? He's the CEO of Facebook. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. So, so you're standing there sipping on a Diet Coke, talking to and getting to know Mark Zuckerberg, who is a multi, multi-billionaire. And he, and he turns to you and says to you, you know, I really like you. I'm, you're, 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 you seem to be a nice person. What do you need? Is there anything that you need? Is there anything that I can do for you? And you think to yourself, you think to yourself, wow, what do I need? Now, you know from a financial standpoint that Zuckerberg could take care of whatever you needed. Amen? <laughs> from, a, from, a, from a purely financial standpoint, Zuckerberg could write the check and, and, and accomplish whatever you needed. And if you needed some type of important health care or something like that, he could take care of that. He could, he could write the check. If you needed companionship, a friend, he might not be able to do that. He, he, he couldn't be with you whenever you wanted him to be around. I mean, he, he's Mark Zuckerberg and he lives in California. If you needed love, he might be able to love you as a human being and love you even more as he got to know you. But for the most part, he could meet any of your material needs that you might have but it might not go much further than that. What about your wants? What about your desires? What about the things that you want to do in your life? Now, there is a person who can give you everything that you need. Not only can, he, he can give you what you need. He, he's ready, willing, and able to provide what you have need of. The scripture describes him as a great shepherd. He's the shepherd of souls. He, he's so great as a shepherd. He's so great as a shepherd. The psalmist declared that since the Lord was his shepherd, that he would not even have want for anything. This is the way he said it in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1. You're familiar with it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The key is making Jesus your shepherd and realizing that he's everything that you need. He's everything that you need and that you are absolutely complete in him. This is what Paul told the church of Colossae. You are not needy in him. You have everything that you need. If Jesus is your shepherd. Now we're going to be looking at, over the next few weeks, some of the miracles of Jesus that are found in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. And the thing that is interesting to see when you study the specific miracles of Jesus throughout the gospels is that although through the miracles Jesus mostly meets physical needs, they point to a greater spiritual need that these people, and really all people, have, including us tonight. And only Jesus can meet and fulfill those needs, those particular needs that these things point to. So we're going to look at a few miracles here in Matthew. The first one that we're going to look at is the miracle that Jesus performed when he fed the crowd of 5,000. 
5,000 men, and of course, with all the, the women and children, some scholars believe as many as fifteen to 20,000 people. So a very large crowd. And we'll see that through this miracle, Jesus is revealed, I believe, as a great shepherd of souls and what we need. So if you're taking notes tonight, the first point is this, as we look to the feeding of the 5,000 here in Matthew 14, there is no need to go away. There is no need to go away. Let's pick it up in chapter 14 of Matthew. Let's pick it up, verse 13. It says this, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. But when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. There is no need to go away if Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. This passage here that we're reading here, it's this little vignette, it's this little uh, portion of scripture here uh, that, you know, if, as you look at your Bible, it's kind of all broken up there. It even says probably the feeding of the 5,000 as a heading there as you're looking down on your, on your passage there in your Bible. And verse 13 there says, it says, when Jesus heard it. When Jesus heard what? Well, it's always, you know, you're looking at the context of Scripture, and so you're, you look at what's before and behind it, and what he's talking about there is when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded. You know, this, the, if you read real quickly there, we, don't, we won't take the time to do it, but basically John the Baptist had been arrested, and there he was in the prison, and Herod had, had uh, thrown a, a ball or a party or whatever they called him back then, and uh, his, his, of course his wife was there, which was an adulteress, uh, and she had a daughter from a previous marriage, and so uh, there at the ball, uh, Herod gave oaths and everything and said, you know, he's going to give the daughter whatever she wanted, and she requested John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so John the Baptist beheaded, and the head was literally brought to the daughter of, of uh, Herod's wife on a silver platter. And, um, and, and, and Jesus, you know, actually called John the greatest man who ever lived. Um, of course, he was the forerunner of Christ. He paved the way. He, he was the, the one crying in the wilderness, make straight, the path for the Lord. This was this guy. And so when Jesus heard this, he kind of, I think he, he probably just wanted to be alone for a little bit. He probably needed some alone time, some solitary. And it says he, he departed, when he heard it, he departed from there um, by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And so, you know, I don't know, the word got out that Jesus was heading out. He was, he's heading out, and, and, and there he goes. He's, he's going over to the other side of the, the lake. And, and what they did was they actually, here Jesus is going by boat across the lake, and they by foot went around and met him on the other side of the lake. And when he got over there, it was, it was a huge multitude. 
It was a huge multitude, a huge crowd. And, and the text here in, in Matthew 14 says that he was moved with compassion for the people. Here they were, just, they were, they were looking, they, 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 they were needy. They were needy people. They were so needy that they were like, let's leave our town, let's leave our city, let's go follow this guy. Let's go, you know, he, he can help us, he can help us. So they follow him. And they get over there and Jesus sees the crowd and he's moved with compassion. Now earlier in, in Matthew, the, 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 the gospel writer has already recorded that, that Jesus has been moved with compassion for the crowds. In, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it said this, but when he saw the multitudes, he's, he was moved with compassion for them because they were re- weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And so, you know, this is really what Jesus saw when he, when he looked out upon the crowds. He, he looked out upon this crowd, that crowd, whatever crowd it was, and he was moved with compassion for them. Moved with compassion for everyone that is away from his shepherding. Every single person that is away from his shepherding, he's moved with compassion because they're scattered, they're weary, and, and, and they don't have him who, who is that great shepherd, the shepherd of souls. And Isaiah prophesied about this. And you're familiar with the famous prophecy. It's a messianic prophecy in Isaiah 53 where the prophet says, you know, we're all like sheep. You know, we're all like sheep. We've all gone astray. Each one of us has gone to his own way. And so we're all like sheep. This is what the Bible calls us. <laughs> we're sheep. And sheep are, you know, they're, they wander around. You know, they, they, they just will wander off. They will wander away from the group. They'll go off by themselves and, and, and get lost. And, and sometimes they'll just follow the other sheep into, the, into, into whatever it is. There's actually a true story where this group of sheep had been left unattended and some of the sheep actually started inadvertently walking off this cliff. And because the, the sheep were going that way, the, the rest of the sheep just kind of headed that way too. And they, they were all dying as they were kind of going off this cliff until there was so many of them stacked up at the bottom that some of the later ones actually survived the fall because of all the sheep at the bottom of the cliff. And this is kind of, this is, the, this is who we are, people. This is what we are. We're sheep. This is the way the Bible talks about us, you know? You know, the Bible is, 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 is going to, it's, you know, it's a mirror. It, it tells you, it's going to tell you the truth. It's going to tell you the reality of our situation and what we are. And so we're sheep and the bottom line is we need a shepherd. Amen. We need a shepherd. You need someone to gather you, to feed you, to care for you and to lead you in your life. Let me say that again. You need someone to gather you in, to feed you, to care for you, and to lead you in your life. You need that leadership. You need that direction. You need a shepherd of your souls. And, and, and the message tonight is, is about making Jesus the shepherd of your soul. And you say, well, you know, he is. Well, I, I, I want to, for those of you who would say, yeah, he is, I want us to, to, to refocus that that position of, of, of who he is in our lives, that he is indeed the true shepherd of our souls. So here it is, make Jesus your shepherd. Now Jesus, not only did he have compassion, that was the next slide. Yeah, make Jesus, there it is, yeah, there we go. Make Jesus your shepherd. Um, Jesus, not only did he have compassion for the crowds, but he, he cared for them, he healed them. 
The, the text here says that he had compassion and he healed their sick. He healed them. But evening came and his disciples came to him. And basically they said, we're out here in a deserted place. And I could reread the scripture, the text for you, what they said. But I'm going to actually paraphrase it kind of like how I think they would say it today. It, you know, Jesus, you know, we're out here. We're out here in the middle of nowhere, Jesus. And, and, I, and I think it would be a good idea if you tell the people to go their way so that they can go into the cities and find food to eat. I mean, because we're just out in, you know, the, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're in the, what we used to call the boondocks. I don't even know the origin, the etymology of that term. If anybody knows, please tell me afterwards. But this is the boondocks, right? We're in the middle of nowhere. How Jesus answers them, I believe, is extremely interesting. Look at it. Look at this. Jesus says to them, they do not need to go away. No, no. We don't need to send them away. They don't need to go away. And then he says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, Jesus is going to do something here. He's going to do an incredible miracle, one of the most incredible miracles in the Bible, and one that most people are familiar with. If you asked, if you took a poll and said, you know, can you name one of the miracles of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000 might be one that people would recall. But Jesus is going to show his disciples that they, they need to trust him, that he's the shepherd of their souls. And and they need to trust him and in his power in their lives. He's going to show the people that he can take care of them fully, not just their physical needs, but he is even more powerful than that. He can be the true shepherd of their soul. Now, if you know Charles Spurgeon at all, Charles Spurgeon was a preacher in London many years ago, well over 100 years ago, uh, maybe even 100 and, I don't even, 20, 30 years ago, or even more than that. Great preacher there in London in what was called the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And you can get actually a lot of his sermons. He, um, you know, the old guys used to, they were all manuscript sermons. And so, I mean, you can go, you probably studied a, um, a sermon in American literature. I know I did when I took American lit in high school. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, one of the Puritan pastors, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Um, one of the, it's considered a work of uh, American lit. And so, you know, they were all manuscripts. Now, my, my sermons are, are, are manuscripted to us, to us, uh, uh, anyways, I'm no Spurgeon. Um, so, <laughs> but you know, Spurgeon picked up on this phrase. He picked up on this phrase, you do not need to go away. They do not need to go away. And, and so much so that he constructed and crafted an entire sermon based upon this theme of that what Jesus was telling them, they do not need to go away. They do not need to go away. The theme of the sermon was that if there was no need for these mostly casual hearers of Jesus to depart, there is even less reason for the follower of Jesus to go away from the continual communion and fellowship with Jesus. In other words, it's like this. You're going along in your life. You're saved. You're a Christian. You trust Jesus for the most part. You know, you're, you're, you're saved. You're a Christian. From that moment forward, there is literally no reason for you to go anywhere else. For, for You're going to think and figure out what you need to do for your life or what, 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 the, what the, the, the solution to a problem is going to be. And, and what's amazing is, I will, I will say this, I, I, and we're all guilty of this to a certain degree. We'll trust Jesus with our eternal soul. 
for all eternity. But we can't trust him sometimes for today. We can't trust him for the temporal thing today. We can't trust him for the provision that we need today. Maybe it's a job. We can't trust him to work out a relationship issue over here today. But we're going to trust Jesus. God, we trust you with our eternal soul. We believe you're to be a great God of power. What I think Spurgeon was onto, and I think what the point is, is, man, there, when once we're saved, there is nowhere to go. For the Christian, we've got everything we need. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go to figure out a problem that you can't take it to the Lord, take it to his word, take it to the shepherd, the caretaker of your soul, the one who's the, the, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He knows everything about you. He knows the hairs on your head or the lack thereof. He knows the decimal points in your bank account. He knows what's going on in every one of your relationships. He knows what's going on, and he's got the answer. For, for your situation, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Jesus would say, there's no need to go away. There's no need to go away. And Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. Amen? And yet we depart. Not, not consciously. We, we depart. We go, we're going to go over here and get some wisdom. You know, we're going to go over here and this is going to take care of us, you know. And, and, and Jesus is the great shepherd of our soul. Amen. In continual communion with him, we don't need to depart. You don't need to depart. And anyone that would come into the fold or into the kingdom, they, they don't need to depart either because Jesus is the answer for them, for their lives. We can find fulfillment in Christ. Now you say, well, you know, that's like a preacher. That's a, that's a Bible preacher type answer. That's a, that's a pat answer. A pat answer? That is the answer. That is the answer to your life. You know, that, that is it. You know, we're, we're, we're complete in him. And so anyways, that's, that's the first point, amen, that we see here in this passage. Now, as we go on, I, I think the ultimate point is that Jesus is, is, the, is the shepherd of our souls. He meets our ultimate needs. We, we might be focused on the temporal, but he meets our needs. And let's take a look at the rest of the, the miracle here. Pick it up, verse 17. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus meets our ultimate needs. The disciples came to him and they said, well, we, we've got five loaves and two fish. This is, this is what we have. I mean, Jesus turned to them and said, they don't need to go away. You, you give them something to eat. And so they, they came to him and said, we have five loaves and two fish. This is how Matthew 
Matthew, the, the, the writer here, uh, relays this story. Now, this, this particular miracle is in all four of the gospel accounts. It's one of the, it's one of the, the great miracles of Christ, and, and, and it's in all four of the, the gospels. And if you look in John's gospel, if you look at John's account, John's gospel tells us that it was the disciple Andrew who actually found the boy with the lunch. It was Andrew who found the, the boy with the lunch, the, the five loaves, and the two fish. Now, I've actually had the opportunity to stand, I guess, where, you know, there, there's actually a mosaic tile that they have in, in this place in, in Israel. And it's, 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 you know, if you ever see it on the internet or whatever, it's, it's this little bucket with some loaves of bread in it, and it's got two fish. And um, I think we actually brought one of those tiles. We bought one of the tiles in the gift shop. The, you know, anyway, so if you ever come over, you can take a look at it. But anyways, it, it, it was Andrew. It was Andrew who, who found a boy with a lunch. Now, I'm one of these, you know, I'm one of these people that I always look for connections, you know. I mean, uh, with names, you know. So, I mean, I think we have an Andrew here. Yeah, Andrew, where are you? Yeah, yeah. Your namesake was the guy who found the, the, the boy with the lunch, you know, and the two fish. You know, my son's name is Jacob, and I always quote a verse to him where it says, Jacob, I loved. I'll walk into his room and I'll say, Jacob, I loved. You know, and he'll, he'll smile, and it's a great little moment for us. But anyways, you know, you, you have fun with it. it I think that's fun. But anyways, it was Andrew who found it, and it, it even records... Now, Andrew found the lunch, but it records G, uh, Andrew's words about the lunch. <laughs> Look at this. I believe it's... Uh, is it 10-6? Do I have it? I don't even have it. He said, the lunch is so little among so many... The lunch is so little among so many. Now, you might think that at this point, that the, the disciples of Jesus would, would have a little bit more faith in the power of Christ, the power of Jesus that he's already seen. I mean, they already, in the chronology, I mean, they were already eyewitnesses to some incredible miracles. They were eyewitnesses to Jesus' first miracle, the, the wedding at Cana. You remember, uh, he was there in, in Cana of Galilee, and there was the wedding, and 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 something happened. It was horrific. You never want this to happen at your wedding reception in, in Galilee or, or, or Israel at the time, but they ran out of wine at the reception, and Mary, Jesus' mother, comes up to him and says, you know, son, you know, do something about it. And he's like, no, 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 not right now, mom, not right now. And finally, she goes over to the attendants and says, whatever he tells you to do, you, you do it. And so he says, look, fill up the, these jars with water, and, and you know the rest of the story. He turns the water into wine, and, and not only is it wine, but it's the best wine that there is. Even the, 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 the man who was in charge of the, the, the reception said, wow, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. So they had already seen these incredible things. They had already seen incredible miracles, healings. They had already seen these things. Now, you would think that maybe one of them might think, you know, hey, Jesus, good. You know, we, he made water. He made wine from water. You know, you can't do that. You know, somehow he sped up time. He sped up time. But maybe, God, maybe, maybe Christ has the power to, to multiply a lunch and do an incredible thing. So you would think that maybe they would have had a little bit more faith, but I think it's just another opportunity. You say the same about us. 
about the things that maybe God's done in our lives and you think, well, maybe we'd have a little bit more faith for that next thing that comes along. Sure enough, that next thing comes along and we're kind of like the disciples going, it's so little, God. You know, it's so little. And so I think here's another opportunity. God is Man, he's a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. I mean, he's grace. I mean, you know, he, he keeps on giving chances. And, and here's another opportunity for the disciples to step up and, 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 and be taught the lesson that they need to be fully trusting in him, to believe him for big things, to believe him for the impossible, to believe God for the impossible. That's the, that's the message. I mean, you know, we serve a God of the impossible. Amen. It's, sometimes it's impossible with man. It's impossible with man. But it's not impossible with God. I mean, he, he holds the atoms together. He, in him all things consist. So what does Jesus do? He commands the people to sit down on the grass. Look at that. There in verse 19, he, it says, Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. Now, he commands the people. This is what it says. He commands the people. Now, I, I looked at that and I said, yeah, I, I need Jesus to command me to do some things. Amen? I mean, that's the type of shepherd that I need. I need that type of direction in my life. I need, I need Jesus. I need somebody that can look me in the eye and say, Charles, you need to do such and such. I, I, here's the command. And here's the question. Can God command you? Can God command you? And that, I think that's the true mark of the surrender of a disciple that you come to that place where God can command you to do this. And, and you look at the commands and you say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for the commands. Now, he, he, he commands them, he tells them to sit down on the grass. Now, that seems simple. It seems like a simple little sentence there, doesn't it? It seems like, okay, all right, this is the process. We get the lunch. We get the crowd. They're hungry. It's late. Here we go. Here's what we're going to do. Have everybody sit down on the grass. Um, but this is what a good shepherd does. Amen. This is what a good shepherd does. Does this ring any bells for you? Put Psalm 23 back on there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What? He makes me to lie down in green pastures, in, in green grass. He leads me beside the still waters. So, so here, here Jesus is wanting to be, he, he, he's wanting to show the disciples, he's wanting to show these people what they have need of and that he's the perfect shepherd of their souls. And so, you know, this is, now let me say, you see, now that's, what, where are you going with that? Now, if you look at John's account, he, it, it is so great. This is the way it reads. This is the way he describes the grass. He says in John 10, verse 6, it says, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. And it says, now there was much grass in that place. <laughs> there was much grass. I, I, I just love this so much. I just, I, I think this is, this, is, this is too good. It's so great. Here it is. Jesus, is, is, he's the shepherd of our souls. And here he is going to do one of the most incredible miracles that we have recorded in the New Testament 
and he's leading people. Now sit down in the grass. Sit down in the grass. Wow. What a powerful picture. Jesus is the great shepherd. Will you make him your shepherd? He's going to, he's going to ask you that he's going to lead you to, to sit down in green grass. He's going to lead you beside the still waters. Amen. Now you have to understand what that mean, what that means for a sheep, for, for the sheep to be led down to green pastures and still waters. That's like, you know what? We don't have, we don't have anything that we need because we have a great shepherd. We have a great shepherd that cares for our souls. Amen? Then what Jesus does next is a miracle. Now Jesus took the loaves. He took the five loaves, the two fish. He he takes the loaves, he gives thanks, and he distributes them to the disciples. And the disciples give them to the people, and they do the same with the fish. And they just keep distributing they just keep distributing the, 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 the lunch there until everyone is, has eaten, they've all eaten, and they've all had their fill. It, it, it's just an incredible mir- miracle. I mean, he takes five loaves, two fish, and he feeds this enormous crowd. Jesus takes a small little lunch. Now, he, now Jesus could have just, you know, what's that cartoon of... The kids, you know, cloudy with the chance of meatballs or something like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, okay, no one here knows that movie. <laughs> Amen. It wasn't that good. He could have rained food down from the sky. He could have done a bunch of different things, but he takes this lunch. And, and what it shows us is that God will use things. He uses things to accomplish his purpose in our lives. He uses things to teach us things. He, he used, in the Old Testament, he used, you know, they, there was a time when the, the Israelites came to, they were thirsty, and they came to some water, and it was bitter. It was called the water, it was called Mara, which actually means bitter. Um, and, and God commanded Moses, he said, I want you to take a tree, put the tree into the water, and the water is going to be made sweet. It's going to be good. And it's exactly what Moses does. And the the bitter waters of Mara are made sweet when the tree is placed into it. The picture is perfect. You may have some bitter water and God wants you to put the tree to cross a Calvary right into the center of your bitterness, the bitter waters, and everything is going to be all right if you'll do that, if you'll trust him with your situation. Jesus uses things. Jesus used the disciples. He used the disciples to distribute the the food, and they actually become co-laborers with him. Amen? And so God uses us. We're co-laborers with Christ in, in the things that he wants to do, in the miracles that he wants to accomplish in people's lives. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. He says this, For we are God's fellow workers... We're co-laborers with, with God. God is using this. Now, the people ate as much as they wanted. They were all filled. And Jesus told them to gather up the fragments of food so that none would be lost to the, the disciples. Collect all the food. And the text here says, where is it? Verse 20. So they all, 
all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now, here's the last principle. When Jesus is your shepherd and you become a co-laborer with the Lord, is that he'll do a miracle to bless others and you get blessed in the meantime too. Amen? There were 12 disciples. There's 12 baskets full left over. One for the, each of the disciples. Amen? It's like, hey, you know, you guys are taking... Remember Jesus told them when they go out, don't take any bread, don't take any of this. You know, you work with me, you do it my way. God is going to take care of you. God is going to make a way. And here, you've got the 12 baskets full left over. Now, what does this miracle teach us in closing? It teaches us that we need Jesus as our shepherd. Amen? We need Jesus as our shepherd, the shepherd of our souls, the shepherd of our lives. We need to trust him with everything in our life. There's no place that we need to go to. There's no place that we need to depart to. There's no Where would we go? To find what we need. Jesus will meet our physical needs if we'll serve him, if we'll do things his way. People think they're going to shortcut God and figure it out on their own. And, 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 and don't you know God's going to take care of you? He'll meet our physical needs he'll, and, and he'll meet the spiritual needs as well. The important thing. Sometimes we're so focused on the, on the physical. And a lot of these miracles meet physical needs. But the reality of it is they all point to a greater spiritual need. These people may have been hungry for actual bread and fish that night, but what they really needed was the bread of life. They needed the bread of life. And, it, and, and Jesus presented them, the, himself to them to be the shepherd of their souls. Jesus provides for his sheep and he'll lead us all the way through our lives if, he'll, if you'll let him be your shepherd.